Hey there, it's Wong with Hand Therapy Secrets. So welcome to my show. Today, I am going to share with you a story of one of my students. She is in my hand exam prep and on her way to becoming a certified hand therapist. So she's got an amazing story of how she herself was a patient in the past and her journey to becoming a certified hand therapist. And I think that you're gonna get some great tips from this. If you're looking to break into the hand therapy world, there's two major tips, not just one, two major tips. And if you're not paying attention, you should, because this is how lots and lots of people can break into hand therapy, increase your chances of moving your career in the way that you want to. My name is Huang, and this is, say your name, Roisin. Did I say that? Roisin. Yep, Roisin Isley. Perfect. You guys, I met Roisin in my hand exam prep, and she keeps coming up with Hannah and Donna. She keeps coming in here, these calls with different names, and I never know <laughs> how the hell do I say this woman's name. I have a hard name, so I totally get it. Some people call me Wong. Some people call me Wan. Some people call me Wan. <laughs> It's kind of just call me as long as you call me, I'm okay. But it is important to really have people know your name. So I want to make sure I make sure people know my name. I say my name Huang all the time. My, I need my patients to know my name. It's really huge. I teach my therapist that all the time. Like people, you want people to come back and say your name. People say, no, I'm not <laughs> not do that but so <laughs> Rosine, <laughs> um, you're in my hand exam prep group um, and during one of the calls we got to hear a really exciting it's not exciting but we got to hear your story about your own types of medical injuries and stuff like that and I'd love for you to share that but then share your journey into becoming a certified hand therapist because it's just really important for people to see other people doing um, what they want to do and not feeling like there's a limit. People are always looking for some kind of similarity, no matter what it is. Sometimes people come and they say, I feel like I'm too old to do this. You're not too old. I have people in this age bracket. Oh, I, um, a lot of people say, can I do this if I'm a coder? You can get into hand therapy as a CODA. You can't do the certification, but you can get into hand therapy. And I've met along the way, lots of CODAs turned OT, turned CHTs. So I wanted to showcase that kind of stuff. So tell everyone a little bit about you and where you practice and stuff. Okay. I'm Roisin Isley. I'm a hand therapist at Palo Alto Medical Foundation, which is part of Sutter Health Network in San Francisco, California, in the Bay Area. And I have been a practicing hand therapist for about six years. And I actually originally started in San Diego, where I went to grad school. And I moved up here about a year and a half ago and oh, wow. started health. So I was with Scripps Health in San Diego at a little hospital working under a mentor who mentored me for about five, the first five years of being a hand therapist. So wow, I thought you're one of those rare people that's yes. someone helping you. Yes, it was incredible. I actually had a CODA who had been a hand therapist for 15 years in the same clinic as well. So she had her hands 
<laughs> in helping me learn as well as an established CHT. So That's it was very heard of, except for what I do here, but still. Exactly. I was, I kept pinching myself over and over. The one cost that I had was that I worked in acute care and neuro rehab every Saturday. And so that was the cost. Very and I thought, small you know, price to pay. Very not that price but to pay. Yeah, I actually loved it. Yeah, I actually loved it because I loved the fact that I was able to pull some things from hand therapy into the ICU or oh into so much. Don't yeah. get me started. I am a care <laughs> therapist at heart. I believe being diversified and I love talking to OTs that are in neuro that want to specialize more in upper extremity types of issues because all neuro patients, they end up with orthopedic types of issues. They're all mechanical types of issues that have a, yeah. neuro, a neuro component, but hands are hands, man. Yeah, it's true. So you, you're one of the lucky ones and got a lot of mentorship. So how did you get into OT? With OT, I actually had an injury that happened to me when I was 17. I was a couple nights from my high school graduation. And I had this plan and intent to be an, like a, an equine veterinarian up until that point. I was into horses and riding and equestrian and all things equestrian. Wow. So I had applied to schools. I got into some schools in their agricultural science programs and things like that. And they, anyway, so I couple nights before high school graduation, I was riding in a car that was in the back roads of Kentucky, in Lexington, Kentucky, and surrounded by horse farms and big plank fences. And the car was going a little too fast, overcorrected a turn, and went through a fence. And actually, it didn't go through the fence. He shot like a bullet. He shot the car through a bullet through a fence through 50 feet of plank fencing. And one of the planks from the fence actually went through my shoulder, severed my shoulder, pinned it to the seat, and I was thrown to the back seat. And this is in the middle of the night in the back where there's not even a road light or a street light. Nobody. So the only, it, there was a lot of it's things that were in county with. <laughs> Exactly. And it just so happened that a retired EMT with a radio just happened to be behind us and saw it. And so pulled over, called, dispatched the trauma center at the University of Kentucky, and they were able to come and airlift me and my arm back to the trauma center. And the actual attending trauma surgeon who was on call that night was a harsh sort of personality, but all about business. Thank God for that. <laughs> so he was able to, his main priority was to reattach my arm and reestablish blood flow. Yes. The fact that all of my osteology was crushed, my brachial plexus was severed, I had no musculature, it all been ripped out. He just wanted to restore blood flow just to be able to keep, maintain the health, my health. I lost yeah. about six units of blood the first night. And the that he ended up taking, he took a, my saphenous vein and replaced my axillary artery, put me up in an airplane. Well, it was an airplane splint, the yeah, basically 90, 90 degrees to maintain that axillary space and restore yeah. that circulation. And I stayed in the ICU for about three weeks, three weeks on the floor, on a, in the step down, and then released to an inpatient rehab hospital for about a month. 
summer between high school and college wasn't quite as fun as I was hoping it to be. <laughs> but the, in doing all of that and going through all of that, I started meeting PTs, OTs, and I start, and I met other patients who had been through horrific situations as well mm-hmm. and, re, and relearned how to use, go through life with one hand. And yeah. so in doing that, I it sparked some interest there, but I didn't quite understand. I was still only 17. I didn't quite know yet. And all I knew was that I didn't have any motion, any movement sensory. I had nothing in my arm at all. I couldn't move my fingers. I couldn't move my wrist, my elbow, anything. And so I thought the only thing I know I can do is use my brain. So I decided to go into psychology and yeah. But at that point, I was still, there was still so much up in the air because I had no motion. And the other issue that I had started to face is that all the muscular in my shoulder was gone. So I had no cushion or support for right. the, the hardware that they had to place to restore the stability of right. maintaining shoulder space. Exactly. And so he started, he started having to remove hardware and some of the screws and pins that were yeah. protruding to and then to make sure infection was maintained, it was, was prevented and all of yeah. that. At one point, he, this amazing orthopedic surgeon that I was seeing was treating me. He said, I think I've taken you as far as I can. I'd love to refer you out. There's a couple incredible people that are known in the area of upper extremity, orthopedic surgery and neurology that you could benefit from seeing. And so, of course, I'm 17 and I'm like, okay, what do you think, dad? And dad, you have nowhere to go but up from here. Let's, yeah. let's go to Louisville. And so we ended up going to Kleiner, Dr. Kleiner, Coots and Kleiner in Louisville, Kentucky. And this is in 1997. So Dr. Kleiner was still working and still there. And so, so when he, I heard the story, I was like, is this the Kleinhardt? <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a, I'm like the Kleinhardt with the flexor tendon protocol with the rubber bands. And she was like, yeah. I was like, what? No way. <laughs> and imagine walking into that clinic. It was the most beautiful facility. But then I'm walking, sitting in that waiting room with all these crazy, and I'm 17. I have no idea what I'm looking at. But these splints with rubber bands and things to get. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and so I literally remember when I was sitting in the room waiting, Dr. Kleiner come in. My dad was sitting with me. And he had an entourage. He had some fellows and China, everybody. He has his entourage come in and everyone was so incredibly optimistic, but very in a very scientific way. But they said, you're 17, you're an excellent candidate for this brand new surgery that's never been done on a human. Me and Dr. Sai. Exactly what you want to hear, right? We don't know. We've never done it. Let me do it on you. <laughs> it's, it's I feel so certain about my life and how my health is going to work. I literally looked at my dad and I was like, but my dad's in science and research and everything as well. So he thought, this is, you're a great candidate. You have nowhere to go, but up. So let's do it. Your dad likes to use that. I might, I'm going to be like, dad, I might have to seal that. I have to seal that. I underwent a, it was originally supposed to be six to eight hours. It ended up being 26 hours and that he ended up taking, doing a brachial plexus transfer. So I believe that the original transfer, it's a little more commonplace now to take the sural nerves from your feet and ankles, which is the sensory branch, I understand, but Mm -hmm. they can provide motor. They have the functional ability to be, Mm -hmm. and then you don't really miss them. 
And so he did a bicep transfer as well because I had lost my bicep and he wanted me to be able to flex and potentially supinate. Mm -hmm. And he did a bicep transfer from my pec, pulled that over, did the brachial plexus transfer in 26 hours. And following that, I remember waking up out of that surgery and I was just completely, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what day of the week it is. I have no idea where my arm is. It's under pillows and blanket and I had no idea. And I was not feeling well. And Dr. Sai, so he's a thick, thicker gentleman that came, he still had his mask and he said, you move your hand, move your hand. He was very excited, popped up on caffeine, I'm imagining. <laughs> and I remember looking down at my hands and trying to move it and actually having a little bit of motion in my room. Yeah. For being so out of it, but just being, oh my God, it's the first time I've been able to, and it was instant. Yeah. It was an action. It was so knowing what I know now. It's like it makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, crazy. So following that, I ended up going to school about two hours away from my parents, and I followed up with care there. And I had six hours of therapy a week, so two hours, three times a week of PT, OT, and a little bit of scar therapy, and which I think she was a, just a massage therapist, but I had about 30 minutes of scar treatment every time I went in, yeah. and which I thought now I look back and I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> but the OT, I love the PTs. They were great, but it was the OT that became like a second mom to me. And yeah. she was amazing in the how much she cared but she worked so much on thing anything I I would talk about she ate it up and that I'm my identity there's clues there's clues (laughs) and what people say to you right yeah just whether you're listening or not exactly everything that she was saying like everything you were saying she was listening to and then she transferred it in her brain and spit it back out to you in a way that made you want to keep coming back to her. Oh my gosh, she was amazing. And I think, I don't know if it was her demeanor that she was soft. She knew I had been through a lot. My world was completely different, upside down. And the one thing when she started seeing, I have those times because it's a long road of recovery for the And so there were those times when I was down and I was, my life isn't what I was thinking it was going to be. And that identity issue at that age and all of that. And so we have identity issues now. <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing? No, kidding. no. <laughs> it's crazy. So the, one of the big things that was a pivotal time for me for, with her was that she, I had said a number of times that my, I identified myself with equestrian science and horses and things like that. And I had a horse at my parents' house, but they, all of that. And I, but I couldn't do anything. It's 2,500 pound animal doing things one-handed is not going to be... So she did her own little research, found a, an OT that specialized in therapeutic equestrian science people, and people therapy. I just thought to myself, you do amazing things. She said, you have a foundation in psychology. You should look into that. It's the foundation of occupational therapy. And so you could go into that. And so when I was in grad school, I remember thinking to myself, Anytime that we started talking about hands or anything with the bio, like the biomedical kind of approach, I was like, this is science. This feels, it's more concrete. It's more, there's more empirical. It's just incredible. And to give back the way that she gave to me and all the people that contributed to me having close to fully functioning arm, I can do, I have 55 pounds of grip strength. And my pinch, it, I just 
did the pinch test the other day and I've got 13 pounds of lateral pinch. So Ooh. my radial like it's yeah. I've got a radial and median nerve. Yeah. <laughs> my ulnar not full never fully yeah. I don't have are a little tricky. So you don't have a ton of certain types of manipulation. Correct. Um, yeah, you probably did in-hand manipulation. Like you yeah, move stuff ulnarly into the radial side. But other than that, it's because you were lacking a little bit of supination. Correct. I showed trunk rotations. Correct. Trunk rotations to loosen up the shoulder girdle. Even though the shoulder doesn't need to move that much, it loosens it up in terms of its stiffness, which then loosens up the biceps, which then allows supination. Correct. Yes. Yes. So we do it every once in a while. I have actually since then I've started and doing some tricep work a little bit. I don't have much tricep, but I do. Yeah. I, I, it's definitely, it helps every little bit. Yeah. Whatever you have, the thing with, with these type of injuries, right? It's whatever you have, you need to keep. Yes. So whatever you have, you need to keep. And so every once in a while you have to have like little tune up sessions with yourself. Correct. We do that with our clients in the sense that not everyone can do everything all the time by themselves. And so our patients, our clients, once they've gotten over that hump and gotten to a hundred percent or whatever that they wanted to get to us with us initially, they get invited back to have tune-up sessions. Some people can do a lot on their own, but they need little tweaks. So we invite them back to provide those type of sessions. They're like wellness sessions. They don't need a ton of therapy. They need the critical eye to say, oh, okay, I see this getting stuck. Let's fix this now before it gets worse. Because fix it in one session, potentially, so that you don't develop more problems. You know, why wait until you've lost? You've got 13 pounds of grip. Why wait until it's only eight? Yeah, yeah. Why wait until it's only eight? Because then certain ideas get stuck. Oh, that's just the way it is. It's never going to get better. That's just the way it is. I can't get more. But yeah, so you can take that with every time you have patients, like they don't have to just end it with you just because you got them moving. They can continue with, because you can keep them going. The life cycle of, of a client for you can be forever because they can always come back to you. That's a great thing, because you can just be with people who want to be with you. It's like any <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell my people time, don't be with people who don't want to be with you. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. That's <laughs> true. Patients, boyfriends, girlfriends. <laughs> That's the truth, oh my God. It's the same rule. <laughs> So did you always work in hands or? Yeah, I basically right off the bat, I went into right after graduation, I started at Scripps. I had done my level two field work there and I worked in neuro rehab and I had met who would be my mentor a couple of times, a small hospital in Encinitas and in meetings, I remember seeing her going, oh my God, she is the hand therapist. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. And I've heard, <laughs> I knew who she was and I just thought, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. I had my CI had introduced me a couple of times and I said, do you think I could shadow? And so she let me shadow her. She made me take some measurements and I was so nervous. I was shaking. And then the CODA let me come and shadow her. 
and on a, it was like a Saturday morning or something for a couple hours. But then following that, I had sent her a really nice thank you note and I sent her actually some flowers. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, in a busy town like that, how did you get in? How did you get in? Because therapists are always saying, I don't have this opportunity. I can't get this opportunity. And at some point you have to say to yourself, what am I not doing to get opportunities? So what am I not doing to get these opportunities that I want for myself? So what did you do? Very key thing. What did you do? Extend gratitude for her to take, giving me her time and then showing a motivation. How did you extend your gratitude? By sending a thank you note. By sending a thank you card. Dear Lord, have mercy. Do you know how many people I freaking interview that don't ever send a thank you card? That don't ever send a thank you email? You don't even have to send a card anymore. It's hard. Yeah, that's true. Most likely send an email. You the card is huge. Anytime I get a card, I'm like so impressed. I, that, I feel like that should be common sense, but I don't. I am equally impressed. <laughs> not a hard person to impress, but to send a, e- a thank you email. Thank you for your time. I really, that is, do you know it's not commonplace? I, do you know that it's not commonplace? I'm sorry, because <laughs> I feel like that's a very easy way to, it's so simple. It's and so it's so simple. But yeah, sure. you got in. So that is one part, right? You got in by showing your gratitude, but you secondly showed it through your motivation. Now, it's not saying I'm motivated. It's not saying I want to do this. You did something to show your motivation. What was it? So my <laughs> inner... I knew it. There was a, there's a story. <laughs> I knew it. You did something. You showed somebody something. So I, (laughs) cracks me up actually, because I still think I'm a dork for doing this, but obviously it impressed her and she was very difficult to impress this lady, but she, I went in my interview with her. I brought in my bag of splints that I made in grad school. In addition to, in California, you have to work in hand therapy ahead of advanced practice certification. And so through our HTCA, we have advanced hands and then you have to be certified in PAMS. So I had my applications printed out and halfway filled out with all the things that I planned on using in the next couple of months. So I already had taken that next step. She didn't have to explain that I needed that. I thought that would show initiative and motivation in addition to. (laughs) Yes. And then as well as showing her my splints and explaining why I like chose those ones. And I said, yeah, there's a bit of a smudge on that one, but she, and she actually loved that because the, my other supervisor who was a physical therapist had nothing to do with hands. She was excited to show him what each one was. And my interview was taken up about five, 10 minutes of my interview was taken up with her explaining to him what each one was. So she was like on cloud nine because she loves advocating for what, what hand therapist, <laughs> what freaking hand therapist doesn't love that shit. Oh, I like, let me like, eat it up. <laughs> talk, dorks, talk about, you think you're a dork. She's thinking she's a dork. 
she's oh my god look at these lenses i'm so <laughs> yeah yeah it was great i was so just uh, it was amazing so she would she extended me an offer you did two major things that i think a lot of times people forget or they lack because the fear of being rejected is stronger than the initiative to get accepted yeah no that's hard. like i but yeah the fear of being rejected is so strong that you also would rather be so passive to not get rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Shit ton of psychology, right? <laughs> oh my God. Psychology background too is what brought me to OT. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it was amazing. So my first, like I said, my first five years of being a hand therapist were three days in the clinic with her, sometimes more, sometimes less, but, and then one day, every Saturday for about five years, I worked in acute care and rehab. And it was, I, like I said, I loved it. It was great. It was great. a nice extra. And then sometimes I would get pulled from the hand clinic into the, I worked across the street into the hospital to help out if they needed a splint or doing in is for the other mm -hmm. OTs had a little we're a little rusty with all that stuff so yeah let me tell you it ensures some damn job security right yes yes absolutely during this time like who's the ones work who are the ones working the ones that are versatile yeah absolutely and we actually worked for as an, a PTA prior to grad school under a pretty pronounced PT who worked for, works for, in Sacramento now for laws and legislation. And I remember him telling me that it one of the best pieces of advice, even going into occupational therapy versus PT, said if you get a grounding in a more kind of in acute care or rehab or something else, then specialize that you'll be you'll just like you said you'll be that much more you'll have that much more. Yeah, and yeah. took that to heart <laughs> no i wasn't a big you're, fan of the it's huge it's huge the people who have skilled nurse like people who are in skilled nursing like working in skilled i'm like good good i'm glad you're there like be upset that you're not in some hand therapy clinic like good because you can get to it and I find that the ones that have skilled nursing facility type of training know how to work with certain hand patients that need to be taught how to get in and out of bed after shoulder injury. Yeah. To sleep when they have an elbow injury, like things like that. We, if you only did outpatient hands in a doctor's office, you have absolutely no concept of. So it's true. huge. It depends on where you want to go. Like some people only want to do that and they're okay not being versatile or, hey, if they no longer are work, then it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think most OTs want to work. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that I talk to want to work. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to work. They don't talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah, it's a big deal to. So I encourage uh, any kind of adult neuro 
rehab, skilled nursing, acute care, any kind of that type of experience. I think it really builds a person's critical thinking skills to a certain extent when it comes to different injuries. You just see different things, you experience different things, and it just opens your mind to that, to those type of injuries. And almost any patient that comes into your practice, not just So tell me about your journey to becoming a certified hand therapist now. As a new grad starting out in hands, I had my mentor had kind of a, a timeline that she got through HTCC that we started to use because she had actually never mentored before. And so we're both kind of on this new path. Well, I also, some people call me a masochist, but <laughs> after my first degree or after my first semester of grad school, I found I was pregnant. So I took a year off school, had my daughter, and went through the rest of an accelerated OT program with as a new brand new mom with a brand new infant mm-hmm. and finished at <laughs> was great. Well, there's only it. one way up from here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Absolutely insane. It was insane. It was hard, but it was I pulled her into my peds classes and I was like, use her, use it stuff like that. So yeah. she has memory of but All in all, I finished grad school. Then I found out I was pregnant again. And so I... Having babies. (laughs) And literally, like, new grad, starting in hand therapy, pregnant, big and pregnant. And I was like, okay, I'll have some time as a maternity leave. I'll start, I'll get into studying. I'll find my path. Didn't quite actually happen that way. And so with two tiny little ones... Not in, quite in school yet, so a lot very hands on all of that. I had a really hard time with really sitting down and focusing on and finding a path and having something I need concrete, I need something that will accountability. I needed that. My mentor did that, but it wasn't quite to the extent because we're so busy in your clinic and like keeping things going. And she was the director of our of the outpatient program, and there was a lot of just there was just not enough time in the day. And so it, and then I remember too, when the, they dropped the, re, the requirements from five years down to three and I panic because I was like, I'm not ready. I can't take this exam yet. I was thinking I had two years left. You know, <laughs> and she goes, no hard set time. People have to take this, right? Yes, exactly. People get that, Roisin, I people see that, but they set those goals for themselves and then they bury themselves under it. You That's don't exactly. have to do it within the three years. <laughs> you know that. Exactly what she said. That was the first thing out of her mouth. When she said, there's no rule. You're going to have this. You're going to be held to a standard once you have this degree. Take your time. Get it right. And so I thought to myself, okay, I'll do that. And then more time went by and I need that checks and balances. I need that person to check me and say, okay, we're, this is the path you're going to take. This is what you're going to do and all of that. And then when I moved to the Bay Area, it was like 10 times worse because it's actually more expensive up here than it is. And everyone is so busy and everyone and is so busy. Life. Constant. Where we're, and I started with the company. This company is phenomenal. I absolutely love my the CEO. I love everyone that I work with. And our hand department is awesome. I love every, my colleagues are incredible, all the way from the seniors down to the to the new the newbies. But mm-hmm. the and very supportive. But at the same time, 
still can't create hours of the day. I'm two little kids and that demand my hours during the day. I found that I'm a morning person. So I have started getting up at, it's usually around 4 a.m. And I give myself- We like sisters. We have- it's true. It's true. I remember you saying that too. And I was like, yay. Okay, good. Somebody gets me because uh, even my own colleagues go, God, you're, you really are crazy. And I'm like, well, I get so I, much done in the morning. It's incredible. Oh, I love it. It's the best time of day. And yeah. found that the end past like eight o'clock, my brain is mush and I just can't think a normal thought and so I thought I'm just going to set this as my schedule and so over the last I guess 18 about 18 months I maybe not that long but on and off but and since I definitely since I've started this program with you it's been I have to because I have this call and I want to be able to get more out of it I'm putting money into this and I want to be able to get more out of it and so I need to and so it definitely has helped with driving that kind of motivation to be like, okay, there is going to be somebody that's going to be checking in. There's going to be somebody that is made. So it's finally coming to fruition, except for the pandemic, which the pandemic prevented that, pushed it off even more. But so now I'm the hand therapist six years later. Here, I'm taking my class. No, it was funny because I was just talking to Nicole and we were so we started in february so this is a 12 week program it is three months focused every thursday night and if you're not showing up you're missing out really honestly if you're not showing up you're missing out and uh, we were so on point, man. I swear, like, I felt like so great about this program. There's a lot of people who signed up who hadn't passed in before, had failed several times. And I felt like I was giving them what they needed from me to feel really confident about stepping into that room and doing everything they could, like being really prepared, like feeling within themselves that they were prepared and having a certain mindset and problem solving. We talk a lot about yeah. uh, decision thinking and then um, making a decision, critical thinking through this problem and then making a decision. We talk about that a lot and they were so like on point and then this hit, but when I think about it, the more, like, it, it hurt all of us. Like, I'm not taking it, but it killed all of us. But the more I thought about it, the more that I felt that it was such a good thing because your mind would not have been, yeah, that's true. You know, your mind, because all of this really hit heavy end of March. So we were going strong February, March, we were still doing good end of March. It was like all hell broke loose beginning of April. And I know it hit my clinic mid-March and it was hitting other people even before then, but they were still able to go because it wasn't like, it hadn't been that bad or that long or whatever it was. Everyone was able to hold it off. But come April, like everyone in the program, like honestly lost steam. I was the only yeah. like, okay, I got to power through. Yeah. Yeah. The power through, I was coming to the clinic nights, weekends, studying, presenting, um, because I know I needed to, but I know everyone's mindset wasn't there. So I'm really happy in the end that 
that you guys didn't take the exam, I think it would have been a crushing blow because if your mindset wasn't there, it's hard to recover from that. I think people who have yeah. taken and failed, it like hurts them really deep. It hurts, when it hurts your ego, it hurts deep. <laughs> <laughs> when it hurts your ego, it hurts really deep. It, but I think that come out of it now, everyone's like gotten a little rest time, right? Mm -hmm. They're having the ability to rest, but to not stop. So we're in the middle of the bridge program right now, which helps you to keep going. Yeah, um, yeah. And then August, we are back at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We are, we're back at it. So we're going to get ready and I don't think anything's going to stop us in November. No. Yeah. So what has helped you the most in this program? Would you say? I think accountability, accountability is huge. That's one of the top things most people are saying. And you were saying that, right? A hundred percent. I agree with that because when you're, when you don't have anything or when you're I should say, when you just have yourself, people I've talked to in the past, even in my early years as a hand therapist, like they had, they really it struggle unless you have someone that is saying, okay, this week we're going to talk about this, or this week we're going to talk about that. And then having you review everything prior to sitting, that's another part of it. It's not just showing up and like sitting there listening. I wouldn't get anything out of it if I did that. Like I would like maybe bits and pieces, but I wouldn't get the full value of it. It's the actual time you take to think of questions and process things. Even if I just had a couple things down to a couple topics that based on the week to week, okay, this week we're going to talk about nerves this week, we're going to talk about tendons. So it was, it made this huge wide open topic of hand and upper extremity into something small and organized it's so incredible because if you just sit down with the purple book it's great but if I don't have something guiding me through that because it's so I need I have so much in my life that's not controllable <laughs> and this is one thing that I can control and it helps me keep me on my path it's been so incredibly valuable in addition to the genuine feel of the classes itself like I, I know I'm gonna always laugh I know there's gonna be something fun that is it's very in, I don't feel stupid if I ask a question I'm like hey listen I have this oh, case with and I, that's always been something I've had growing up. I grew up with parents and families that are all overachievers. And oh. so I'm quiet in like the things I, I don't want to say, cause then I'll be like, oh my God, what are you asking? And that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, that is completely opposite in this case. I think it's like the more questions, the better, no matter where they come from, it could be left field. You're like, oh, it's awesome. You said that. It's huge. That's a very valuable thing for me. It's not something I, I was trying to do that, but I wasn't sure if I was successful because I want people to ask. I feel strongly encouraged to ask. Like, I feel sure. like, oh, I kind of a question can I? Like, that kind of thing. Because I know not only will you answer in a way that's, it breaks things down to where I'm like, oh, if I understood it before, I have a much deeper understanding of that foundational reason why I understood in the first place, if that makes any sense. Like, it's a really great teaching program and just have a good way of explaining like explaining information that's very complex breaking it down into more of a simple kind of way so like the shoulder one did you that was your favorite i love oh my god <laughs> so i curse a little bit i make bad jokes uh but i'm not that serious i just want to have fun <laughs> you need to because this can be my mentor used to say this it's very dry it's very hard to she used to bring in her her hand therapy journals she'd just give them to me she'd be like I can't sit and read it's so dry I'm like you're a hand therapist 
but then she's this is the thing is that if you didn't do that i probably wouldn't be as motivated because i know it's gonna be fun in yeah. fun setting it's like that's that to mm. me is important it'd be fun for me too <laughs> do it like i can't i like i don't want to be boring <laughs> exactly and that's i don't want to bore that. myself <laughs> I don't see that ever happening, to be honest. I just, I know, I do. I even crack jokes. I'm like, I'm cracking this joke for me. <laughs> I get that. I totally get you. I 100% you. I do that sometimes with patients that are very serious. Like, I'll have a lot of patients sometimes that are very, like, and especially, I don't know if it's Bay Area or, because San Diego was so much different. The dynamics, demographics of my patients there were, like, fun, and what are you doing this weekend? And San Francisco, it's, like, more, like, business, engineers. <laughs> Yes. people that's all talk. I'm in one of the in one of the lectures I'm gonna bring up different personality types because I teach my staff that different personality types because it it comes back to the therapeutic use of self and how you it's you yourself you're so using it but you're changing little things based on the person that you're with so that it makes it easier for you absolutely Absolutely. But when you know they're like this, then you can act a certain way. You can tone it down and then you can tone it up. It's just like manual treatment. Sometimes you go a little <laughs> bit, sometimes you go a little bit softer, but either way, you know, based on feel. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's <laughs> true. Oh my God. Yeah. So true. I'm going to put that lecture up somewhere. I'll, I'll piece it together. It'll be totally going to use I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to anyone who's on the fence about joining the program? I'd say it's absolutely a hundred percent worth it in the sense that there's such, it's such a small investment in the, in, to get such a big gain. Yeah. And the fact that if you're on the fence, it's like, you can do what you can do on your own, but you're only reinforcing and giving yourself more of a guarantee, more of a stronger percentage. We tell our patients that all the time, right? You have this person, there's, there's more of a guarantee if you do your exercises every day, right? So if you go home and do, you'll get more out of it. And yeah. that accountability. Your chances. Yeah, we say that to our patients. You're increasing the likelihood that you're going to get X when you participate this way. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's the whole point of this program is to help people to increase their chances of feeling uh, really prepared and coming into that test like confident. confident yeah. Huge when you go into these types of, but being prepared helps you to feel confident. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been a fun ride. It's, it's my baby and I've always dreamt of doing something like this because I've helped different people along the way, but I, in this, the way we're able to do it now, I'm able to help all over. And I've had a huge amount of people reaching out to me from across the world. Actually, somebody told me that he's going to be joining in the August portion, but we're, I'm opening it right now a little bit early, but he would become the first CHT in his region, in his country. Like, girl, I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to help you. What do we need to do to make, to make this happen? Like I'm, I'm like a hundred. Are you right? I'm a hundred percent on board. I'm like, what do we got to do? That's amazing. That's stuff That's exciting. Awesome. I don't know. I'm one of those little geeky people that. I know. I totally get it. I love it. I think that's awesome. I feel the same way. 
I really yeah. do. I think awesome. And then and, yes. you'll, you'll be able to then get that out in your area. Look at all the people who yeah. you are going to look at you and see you. You're going to be the leader in your area and you're going to be able to help and direct them and, and all that good stuff. So it's, a positive, it's a positive thing overall. I think it's really good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then a commitment that it get that it requires. It's yeah. it's a it's not as committing as trying even though as much as I would love to have done like a full fellowship at Philly or Stanford or one of those places, I couldn't have done that. I had little kids and it's expensive. You don't get paid the same, but you get you get the same kind of quality based on yeah. your experience and your reputation and everything yeah. that it is itself. And yeah. so in the sense of I think overall, it, it's yeah. such a great way to go. You, you, get, you get to create your own experience. You get to create your own fellowship. Yeah. But you get a, what it is, it gives you a very solid foundation underneath. Like from the studying, understanding at a certain way, getting your CHC allows you different opportunities to open up and then you create your own more than I think going to any fellowship. The fellowships I think are very limited to that town, to that, to those perspectives. And Absolutely. that doesn't always lead to you getting a job in your town. You almost have to create it in where you want to live, where you want to work and that kind of stuff. My, my theory, she was looking at fellowships and stuff like that. And it took me a couple of years to get going before I offered one at my clinic. And I'm mm-hmm. high paying. I'll say it right now. You come into my fellowship, you will not get paid. <laughs> you know? That's true. Because they don't. So there's so much training involved. You know, so much. It's very time intensive. So it's hard to give you all the money when all the time is being. So somebody's got to give a little bit to get a little bit. So it's that kind of stuff. But just like you did, you. What are you willing to give up, right? to get into hand therapy essentially you're willing to give up your Saturdays for X number of years working in a, in a certain environment that still at the end of the day wasn't giving up anything it was right. building your skills in a different way totally it's just the Saturday some people just can't give up their Saturdays yeah at some point something's got to give a little bit you get something else in return Absolutely. so it's really big and now you're the shit in your area. <laughs> You're going to become a certified therapist. So I'm really excited. But thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody in the show. I think they're going to have a blast listening to it. And how you went from being a survivor to then turning around and helping other people survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. I love it. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to Huang's World Podcast. If you are brand new to the hand therapy world, head over to my website, www.handtherapysecrets.com, where you can get started with some of our free guides and paid programs for both OTs and PTs diving into the world of hand therapy. Or if you've been listening for a while, watching on our YouTube channel, and you think you could benefit from developing and moving your career further along in hand therapy, reach out to me and my team at info at handtherapysecrets.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if you know someone who could benefit from today's show, please share. Thanks. See you on the next episode.